This is Jordan Edwards, and this is the Business Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. I'm here with Jamie Giovinazzo, uh, the legendary founder of Eat Clean Bro. Jamie and I came together through one of the greatest humans on this planet, a dear friend of mine, and one of Jamie's, uh, Sal Vitali, someone I don't I ever think I'll get on this podcast, but Sal is... Uh, <laughs> runs and is a family business of what I consider to be the best pizza in the whole world. Now, Jamie, if you have the best pizza in New York, that makes it the best pizza in the world, right? Pizza is here's the thing about pizza, right? Cause I'm a Jersey guy. I grew up with pizza. Pizza is a very important part of the culture in New York, obviously, but then you have excellent pizza in Connecticut. You have excellent pizza in New Jersey. You know, you have, obviously, you got the Brooklyn people. God forbid, man. There's, you know, (laughs) when it comes to pizza, Brooklyn's its own country. Staten Island has great pizza. So what what I will say about pizza when, you know, it like, if you talk about the New York City slice, right, everybody has their own preference. There's a lot of big names that come up. But I, I do say that if you are going to describe the New York slice, I would say Joe's is the epicenter of what a New York City slice should be. So that that's what I'll say. I think Joe's is excellent, but everybody has a different everybody has a different opinion on on what the best slice is. So if you're a tourist coming to New York and you want to try a New York slice of pizza, you go to Joe's because yeah, you get that baseline New York slice. You get the crunch. You get the, it's delicious. I mean, it's it's amazing. Like, like pizza is like a beautiful person, right? Like a beautiful woman or a beautiful guy. Like everybody, everybody has a preference on who is like the most beautiful actor in Hollywood. So pizza is, is very similar because you know, everybody, Jamie, are you going to go into politics with this answer after you're done with, uh, <laughs> with building your company? I think you're ready for the uh, political stage with your, uh, how diplomatic you've been about pizza. <laughs> it, you know what, dude, it, I may, maybe I will get into politics, you know, yeah. I would love, I would love to bite back. Yeah. Um, man. Yeah. You know, so many people got their hand in my ass. Maybe it'd be nice to put some hands <laughs> in someone else's ass or something, but, uh, yeah. now nah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do politics, but the whole thing with pizza, man, is it's serious. Like, you know, it's just a fucking war out here. You can't just go and start talking shit about pizza or something. Cause like I said, the Brooklyn people, I made a fucking post about how good Connecticut pizza was, and there were fucking Brooklyn people in my DM. I thought they were going to come to my house and fucking kill me and my family. Yeah. So it's a big topic, man. Pizza, pizza is a uh, it's a big topic. Well, our our buddy Sal aren't, aren't is, uh, you aren't you a New York guy? I'm a New York guy. I mean, I'm uh, yeah. You know. So you know. I know. I, I just I want to shout out our boy Sal. You know, he uh, he put us together, and uh, and I personally will go on record and uh, stay out of my DMs. But I think that Joe's Pizza is the best pizza in the world, and I think it's better than Sally's in, in New Haven. Different, of yeah, course, I, but you know. But I'm not in the food industry. I, You're in the food industry. I yeah, like there's a lot to there's like, like there's you know there's a lot to take into consideration. When you're claiming the best, I think Joe's is the best. I love Joe's, but I do know that a lot of people have fucking opinions, and I do know <laughs> that you cannot. The un like what is like like so in jujitsu, right? You want to put yourself in a good position. It's all about position. It's all about. Now, when position. I say that New, when I say Joe's Pizza is the fucking epicenter of what a New York City slice should be, 
that doesn't give you much room to fucking argue with me because like Joe's is that is like that is that is identifying what the New York slice should be. So when I say that, like whether you're from Brooklyn or Staten Island or wherever the fuck you're from, um, like you know, like Giordano's in uh in Chicago, right? Everybody talks about Giordano's or they used to anyway in Chicago. Like that's where you go if you want to try a deep dish uh Chicago pizza, right? Like but then the Chicago people will argue, where's the best deep dish? Well, if you're a fucking tourist and you're in Chicago for three days, you want to get a pizza one of those days. Like, you don't have fucking time to go all over the world. So, man, I just, uh, yeah, maybe I should go into politics, dude. I'm talking in circles. I'm not getting anything accomplished. <laughs> it's all good, man. Um, when I met you, you you stormed into the room a presence uh a man dropping one-liners that could be million-dollar T-shirts. Before I knew who you were or what you did, I said, fuck, this guy is like, you know, a a magnetic, electric. Um, Later on in the day, as we we continued to hang, I found out who you are and what you do. And um, I was aware of Eat Clean Bro because of my connection to jiu-jitsu and the jiu-jitsu world. And so many guys represent Eat Clean Bro. you see it all the time. They, they, it's like one of their sponsors or they're promoting it. Um, and you have a deep connection into the, the martial arts community. And you're friends with a lot of these guys. Frankie Edgar, uh, you've been on his podcast. Yeah. And, and you know all these guys. Um, you did some wrestling yeah. yourself, right? Yeah, I, I wrestled in high school. I always joke. I say that I wrestled at an elite level, but... I, I say I wasn't good at an elite level, but I wrestled with guys who were elite. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I did wrestle at a high level. I wasn't good at a high level, but I, I was there training with those guys. So, yeah, I know what goes into being a bad motherfucker. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you're a big boy. How, how big are you? You're like yeah. uh, at least 6'2", six, 6'3"? Six, I'm like 6'1", probably. Um, I could probably lie, like the basketball players, because I'm taller, but I'm 6'1". I you read know, you like 65 six, right yeah. now. Yes, I read you like six two two sixty five. I'm I'm six two. We're basically the same height, uh-huh. and yeah, uh, I'm two fifteen, and you made me look like someone's little brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got some meat. That's for sure. Yeah, got some meat on these bones. I love to eat. I do like to lift. So, but yeah, yeah I, I made friends with uh, Frankie Edgar back in um, like two thousand thirteen. And uh, we had a lot of mutual friends from the wrestling community. The Shore Conference in New Jersey is a really dedicated group of individuals. Just even like the even the people in New Jersey that don't like each other, everybody's close and respectful, and um, it, it's a it's a tight knit community. So I guess when I was hitting up Frankie, uh, I was actually I messaged. You know, it's so funny. Like they're like, "How did you get hooked up with all these celebrities?" Well, I did get lucky with most of them. Like. Uh, with Lala and all the really famous people I cook for that are outside of the like jujitsu fight world. But with Frankie, I had just, um, I just reached out to his email on his Instagram. Like it was like Frankie Edgar at Frankie management.com or one of those emails and his wife answered and we were like going back and forth for a while and then, like, one day after, like, weeks of months or whatever, persistence, like, trying to get to meet Frankie, I said, hey, look, I'm just going to stop by and drop off some meals. You know, I don't want anything, but just see if you like them. So they said yes. I drove down to Tom's River. I dropped off meals, and one thing led to another, man. And 
I got to meet Frankie, and then Frankie's, you know, started liking me. And, uh, yeah, one thing led to another man. Started cooking for him. Then I got, like, set up with Nick Catone, you know, Steve Rivera. I'm trying, I'm trying to think back. Started getting hooked up with all those guys. Henzo, Henzo Gracie started to started to like me, too. I think I started feeding his... Um, Shit, how the fuck? Yeah, started started hanging out with Henzo. Then, then I started you know, cooking. For, do you have any uh, relationship with uh, Ricardo Almeida? He's been on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Ricardo is the man. So Ricar all those Ricardo, guys. Ricardo and I were talking about like the place that you live. Like you live in this crazy hotbed of martial arts and jujitsu between Philadelphia and New York. And like between Philadelphia and New York, there's just like Ricardo Almeida, Tom DeBlas, and it was all these guys, Gary Tone and Nicky Rod, Gordon Ryan, like basically all the best jujitsu guys in the world and some of the best MMA guys in the world live in this little region of the world. And then I look at you and you're like a linebacker. What the hell is in the water in New Jersey? So I'll tell you, they did a study on rats and it applied. So like, it, this is this really applies to martial arts. So, back in like the old days, when they were doing kung fu, inner city, right? I think it was from Japan or China, wherever the fuck kung fu comes from. The inner city kung fu would be this tight, you know, tight striking, tight, tight kicks, tight punches. Everything was tight because it was the it, it reflected the environment that they came from and then out in the country there was all these like beautiful looping kicks and looping strikes and lots of space in their striking um i i believe in new jersey because we're so fucking densely populated you know the study they did on rats when you can find a rat into a fucking tight space it pisses them off when you give the rat space to lounge out and live it's not man so i just think like I think between being densely populated, you got all these piss off people and everyone's trying to kill each other all the time. I just think it bred, it breeds, uh, it just breeds killers. So yeah, that's my little story in science that's behind a, my answer. That's a, that's a very, very good and well thought out answer. Um, <laughs> and I would even add that, you know, being sandwiched in between two mega cities, uh, like Philadelphia and New York city, um, you know, it definitely creates a pressure cooker. That's for sure. Yeah, and I and I remember, man, I got hooked up with Gary Tone and oh, <laughs> my so you know one of my buddies, Keith, retired cop, huge into jujitsu. He's like, bro, you got to get Gary, man. He's like the best in the world. And I didn't really realize how good he was, but I was like, yeah, you know. And I'm talking to Gary, and Gary's like, man, I just love Wawa subs. I love. Wawa. I'm like, Gary, bro. He's like, no, man, I'm good. I'm good with my subs. I never, <laughs> so I never started cooking for Gary. Um. He makes he makes jokes. I mean, he was very open with me about what he liked eating and shit. I thought it was super funny. Um, but yeah, he's fucking he's fucking good. That guy. And uh, oh wow, he's great. But yeah, we cook uh, we cook for Nicky Rod, Nicky Rod for a real long time. But now he's uh, he's traveling all over the place. Yeah, and those guys I never got awesome. I, I never got hooked up with Gordon Ryan. But uh, I'm just so happy. Like it's so funny watching him, bro. He's the ultimate troll, and he never yeah. loses. So it's just like. It's just so funny. Like he, he, he is so funny, dude. He's yeah, he's a, he, he's a he's a great dude, and he really helped me launch this podcast. So I have to give him a big shout out and thank you because yeah. uh, he brought me. Uh, he came on, gave me a shot, 
and really helped put this out to a lot of people. And also then he brought his coach on, John Donahar, who's one of the best coaches in the world. And so they contributed yeah. to this podcast and this book that I'm writing. And uh, and I just am eternally grateful to the both of those guys and to you. So let me ask you, oh, man. Your, your story is very well documented in very long formats on a lot of podcasts um, and videos. But like, if you could just give me the quick, like, quick version of your starting in Eat Clean Bro and like the name and you're just, you were even telling me when we were hanging out together, um, you said to me something along the lines of like, who names their company Eat Clean Bro? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I, every single consultant, every single business person in the world would tell you not to do it. And you're just so authentically you that it's like, it's incredible. So if you don't mind, just give me a little, give me a little summary. Starting starting a business, right? My grandmother used to tell me the stories about the three little pigs. And it it's very important. You know, I've seen the rise and fall of many entrepreneurs. And one of the one of the cracks in the foundation is if like you're an actor or you're um you're trying to create this facade or you're trying to be somebody you're not, that someday catches up to you in a big way. I mean, we're seeing it with cancel culture. We're seeing it with all this shit going on in the world. So you got to be true to who you are this day and age. And I knew that well before all this shit started hitting the fan. And I knew at that point in my life, man, I just didn't want to be a loser. I didn't want to be poor. I didn't need to be a millionaire. I just needed to have something like I needed to have a purpose in my life. And so my dad came up with the name be clean, bro. And I, and I thought he's like, you know, that's all you say. Why don't you say, and I said, you know what? Like, I was thinking like this, this is a clear representation of how I talk and who I am and what I believe in. It's easy to remember and it's easy to spell. So I thought it was a great domain name because who can't spell out eat clean bro. My last name's Giovanazzo. Nobody could ever fucking say it or spell it. And I knew I needed to have something easy to spell, easy to remember. And, um, not too many names out there with two Z's. <laughs> yeah. So it, um, it, it, it worked, you know, it was a, it's a great name. It's easy to remember. And in a short time, I became like a household name with, um, it's pretty remarkable, actually. It's incredibly Such a short remarkable. Yeah. It usually takes people like 25, 50 years to do what I did in like 18 months. <laughs> what year did you start it? So it started right the second week of January, 2013, January 13th, right after Hurricane Sandy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my fam, my mom, my grandmother, my uncle were deadly. Where I grew up is gone. My house that I grew up in is gone. My mom, my grandmother and grandfather, you know, started their life after World War II. Raised all my my mom, my aunts, my uncles in that house, and and it's gone. And that was a really uh, that was a really tough time for me. So I feel like I reached my fucking absolute rock bottom breaking point with being just financially unable to help anyone in my family. Seeing all the pain and devastation they went through. And that, that was a big motivating force to get off my ass and fucking make something of myself. You know, I never wanted to be in that position ever again. I never wanted to feel helpless, not ever be financially helpless, you know? So uh, that, that was a, uh, that was a big fire. So have you, have you had other times of adversity that have like made the business boom? Have there been other parts? Like my business started after the recession and Hurricane Sandy was a massive formative moment because we were Long Island based. We only got wiped out. We didn't do business yeah. for three months. And then wow. when COVID struck, it really helped me make our business actually better because it allowed me to go hire better people who got laid off and open stores because uh, so many businesses went out. So like you, you were founded in the wake of Sandy. Like 
do you find like adversity has made your company better? Yeah. I mean, that's just who I am, dude. You, you know, I've been knocked down, you know, knocking me, you can, you can knock me down, but you can't keep me down. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with getting knocked down sometimes, but you just can't stay down. So obviously, yeah. I mean, that's like the wrestler mentality, you know, you lose, you wrestle back for third, no matter what. And, uh, that's just like a principle that's been instilled deep into my body. So into my mind, but, um, as far as COVID goes, obviously online orders, you know, people were hoarding food. We, we exploded with business, but there's a give and a take. So COVID has advanced e-commerce, uh, delivery businesses. So uh, there's more business, but there's more competition and there's a lot more just startup companies with massive funding, blazing coupons and, it's just getting a little bit, you know, we're, we're, I feel like the prepared meal industry is reaching a, some sort of a market saturation and like the coupons and everything that these other companies are doing. I don't, I don't yeah. think they're sustainable, but like if, if you just keep doing rounds and you just keep raising money, you know, like some startup, I read some startup like cook unity or something just got like 47 million, man. Wow. I feel like they just started and I don't know how much of their company they sold, but now I got, now I got somebody else to compete with who's just got fucking 47 million in their checking account. You know, it's annoying. Like, yep. Well, let me like ask trying you to do it. It's like that. trying to do, it's like trying to do a jujitsu tournament you go out on the mat and now you got to fucking do their whole team. You know, it's not one-on-one. <laughs> that's on a, one. that's a very, shit, very good way of putting of, it. None of this shit is fair. You know, I'm a self-funded entrepreneur, dude. I started a clean bro with 300 fucking dollars. Built a fucking empire on my own. And I got to just keep like, you know, I just got to keep competing, dude. Just, you know, it's it's all strategic moves. It's all sound moves. Um, shit, who wouldn't want forty seven million dollars to fuck around with and make hires and and just do fucking unload coupons and operate at a loss? You know, yeah, if I, I operate at a loss, I sense. go out. Of, I operate at a loss. I go out of business. These other guys just account for it. They're like, yeah, we're gonna run out of loss for four fucking years. Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I just, I, you know what? I'm all self taught. I dropped out of fucking community college. So maybe if I stayed in a little longer, it makes sense to me. But uh, it you is said certainly. Something, you said something to my wife and I that's become her like mantra. And <laughs> it's um, you don't need a college degree to sell chicken. Yeah. You know? that, and Yeah. A lot of people would try to talk me out too. They'd be like, well, you don't have a fucking register. You're not a registered dietitian. You're not this. I go, look. Does the kid at McDonald's know every fucking ingredient in the cheeseburger? Because I know every single one of my ingredients, right? I don't need a fucking college degree to sell fucking chicken, man. Like, er when you start telling people your dreams initially, everyone's going to try to talk you out of it because they have their insecurities and they just can't live with themselves seeing someone else fucking succeed at their at their dreams. Like, yeah, now I don't, I don't even tell – like sometimes I'll tell like you know successful people. I'll tell them what I got going on, but uh, I always make the joke. Like in 2013, um, if I told you I was like whatever, basically, dude, people would laugh at me no matter what I said in 2013. But now, 2021, if I told somebody I'm going to the moon, they would stop and they would be like, well, how, how are you going to do it? You know, they wouldn't just yeah. laugh at me. Even though I could be talking out of my ass at this point. Now people stop and say, whoa, well, Jamie, how are you doing? Or, what are you doing? But now I, I laid that fucking foundation of like, I'm a motherfucker who gets shit done. So, but you know, I, I just went I off just here. No, I love what you're saying. You did go off for a second. I'm going to take it back because you, you touched on something that I think is so valuable for people who want to start. 
and they look at the competition and they're like, this guy's funded. This guy did a series A, just like you, where I'm a family business. You know, it's my sister and I, we started this and we've never been funded. We've never taken any other money. We have a hundred percent of the business. I was talking to a marketing guy this week. He's like, what's your exit plan? I was like, my exit plan. I'm building my business. I'm not having yeah. an exit plan. Maybe I'll sell it one day if I'm lucky, but all the people that work for me are like family, you know? And so my point was, and what you said, it doesn't impress me when someone raises a hundred million and then they lose 150 million. I'm not impressed when you get a hundred yeah. million and you can go out and hire the best people, get set it up from the beginning. Perfectly. You got everything figured out. You hire three Harvard MBAs and then you raised a hundred and you lost 150. Sorry, that doesn't do it for me. I've seen it happen in time and time again. So to your point about these competitors of yours, when I started mixology clothing company, one of my businesses, we saw like, these, this competitor, Nasty Gal, they had this meteoric rise and they were backed by private equity and they were making all these decisions and going on sale. And we were saying to ourselves, how are they doing this? How are they able to discount? How are they able to do all this just to drive? And guess what? They went out of business. They got sold yeah. for like 5 million bucks, like a fraction of the 150 million that they raised. So I just look at your business with the authenticity and like what you mean to like your community of people, the jiu-jitsu community, the mixed martial arts community, the Jersey community, and it's growing yeah. like crazy. And it's like, you are the face of this company and it's so authentically you. I just, um, when I met you, I, I said it to you right away. I was like, I got to get you on my podcast. I got to include yeah. you in this book. You're everything that I'm like trying to get the heart out. You really need to get off onto the right foot, man. So like everything in the beginning that all started in 2013 was like, dude, I need to get off onto the right foot. And and another thing too, like when I met my wife, man, um, in 2014, it was kind of like, <clears throat> I've been in some bad relationships that failed and, and ultimately, man, like it's really hard to win the race if you don't get off the starting line correctly. So like you gotta really make sure like when you're starting a business or you're starting a relationship that like you're truthful you're honest with yourself and you're honest with everyone who's involved and you really need to be aware of what the fuck is going on and you don't want to set yourself up for failure and it all starts at the beginning so i think like being extremely transparent with my with myself then my you know my staff my customers like full full transparency with things so there's no surprises and people know what they're getting and everything matches you know i'm not like uh I don't know, like if you it's remember clean. when that hurricane, yeah, like when that when that hurricane happened in Texas or whatever, and people were trying to go and get refuge in Joel Olstein's mega church, and he locked the doors, like, you know, that's really off brand. Like, dude, you're this fucking guy preaching the Lord, and and you have people in need, and you lock them out of your mega church, like, it's just off brand. So you know, um, I'm just trying to stay true, man. I'm trying to stay true. Um, and I'm sure Joel Olstein had a fucking logical explanation, but it was like a really bad hit for his brand. It was really memorable, you know, it put like a really bad taste in people's mouths and they remember that. But whether he had a legitimate reason to do that or not, people remember it and it sticks out because it goes against what he stands for. And like, you always just got to really be, you know, really aware, like, what do you stand for? You know, what's important to you? And and what is meaningful to you? What what are your what is your fucking moral code? What are your do's and don'ts? And it's almost like you have this 
these ten commandments or whatever commandments in your body, like in your in you in your soul that you follow at all times. People pay attention to that, you know. People don't pay attention, like, yeah, words, especially now at all fucking shit going on. Words are fucking crazy, man. That words can really get you in trouble, but we still live in a we still over the lifetime and humans and everything, man. Actions, you know, your words and your actions got to align, and you can't, you, you know. Just you, you got to be honest. It, it really where, starts where like. You, the, the, where do you think you developed this mentality? Was this from your father? You know, when I look back at my mom and my dad, like it, they definitely did a good job. <laughs> I can't take anything away from them. It was a very unique childhood that I had, um, but ultimately, man, the recipe came together at the end. And obviously, they have to get all the credit in the world for the way I turned out. I think like through my own experiences, I've seen where my failures occurred and a lot of my relationships, like my failed relationships that I, I paid attention to, like sometimes the writing is on the wall and, and where the, where that all occurs, where shit falls the fuck apart. Like if you are not truthful, if you are not self-aware, right. If, if you are not aware of what's going on, you're not truthful of what's going on. Then like trust is one of those things that's easily broken. And once trust is broken, then like you can't really build or scale an organization. You can't like you can't build your family. You really can't build anything. So like it all starts with like honesty. Honesty breeds all the good things, all the fucking all the trust, all the loyalty, all the shit that makes incredible teams. It starts with, you know, honesty. It's the and, it's uh, the it's the hardest foundation and the deepest moat you can build around your competition when you are fully honest and transparent with your team and your organization, your customers, your vendors, your landlords, your service providers. I always say about the clothing business, who's good? How am I going to get my goods first? If a hundred people buy clothes from the same vendor, they're going to send the first box to the one who pays and gives them the hard, least hard time. I would imagine in your business when you want to go get industrial amounts of chicken you need to have a great relationship with your vendors. If you don't have great trust with these kind of guys, it's going to be a, a, a battle. Yeah, dude, it, it is. It's all competition, man. You got to embrace it. Everything you do in life, man, that's why jujitsu and fighting is so cool because it's, it's primal. If you want to get, you know, the, the world can pretend to change all it wants, but humanity has been the same from the beginning of time. You're in this world, man, and you're competing, you know, you're competing. You're competing every day with everything you do with everyone around you. And you do need to build strong alliances with others who have, who are, in fact, everyone's pulling in the same direction. And you are building your network and you're building your alliances and you're building up all the people around you and everything's working together. But you know, the world is not a nice place, man. It's really not. Yeah. And, and you want to stand that's, out. That's why, you know, that's part of this book. The, you know, the book that I'm writing, Business Jiu-Jitsu, is about how the parallels play. You know, how fighting and training on a regular basis prepares you to deal with all the crazy shit you're going to deal with in life and business. And business is going to kick you in the nuts. It's going to smack you around. It's going to pick you up and throw you on your head. And... Um, People often ask me, like, why do you train jujitsu? Are you do you get in street fights? Like, are you gonna fight somebody? And I was like, that's not the reason why I train. I train for my health, I have my mental health, I stay in shape, but it's also like 
it's so many times when I didn't have the answer for something in business, jujitsu gave me the answer. It's like problem solving under pressure, staying cool when there's just the, the, the feeling like the world is on you. And um, there's just so many cl clear metaphors. Couldn't have said it better. Yeah. Um, your wife is in the business with you, right? Yeah. She's right now, she's really stepping up into the mom role with the, with the kids. Mm -hmm. and, um, and she also started her own balloon business, which is blowing up. Oh, so, wow. yeah, she's incredible, man. She is incredible. But we have we have like such a great management team here at uh in New Jersey. We're building like the corporate team. As as and, you're uh, walking around, I'm seeing all of your fleet of vans. Can you flip the screen so I could see the uh, this fleet over here? Wow. How many trucks do you have on the road? With Atlanta, we're in like 30 range. Something. Do you, I'm sure you remember your first truck. So I, I learned as I went, man. And my first hand got totaled by a fucking 18 wheeler. I had this fucking kid who's probably high on dope fucking driving, which, you know, not, <laughs> you learn as you go, man. You learn as you yeah. go. And, uh, I was always pretty cool with everybody, but you know, when it comes to the safety of my employees and others, that was a really good lesson. No one got hurt. My van got totaled. But, uh, after that happened, man, we started to really fucking tighten the bolts on, on safety and all that other stuff. Um, and then we started really improving the quality of hires we were making as well. Yeah. Um, it's really funny. So when I started, I was always like, I would always look for people like, People who needed the job would always like pull on my heart. Like they need the job, right? But when you own a business, you don't hire who needs the job. You don't want the guy who needs the job. You want the person who's right for the job. So that was one of those things. That was like one of those learning curves, one of those lessons that, you know, I, I want to help everybody, dude. I hate to see people suffering. I hate to see people in pain. I, I hate it. But you can't, you, you know, I'm not Jesus, dude. I can't save the world. I have to do what's right for myself, my team, my family, and I have to bring in the right people to help me. I can't just start fucking saving the world and or else, dude, it'll all go away real fast. So, yeah, that's true. So I do so, remember my first man. T tell me about like when you started scaling this business up and, and started to make some of these really great executive hires and building out your executive team. Um, how are you recruiting these people? Like now that you've got the right people in the right seats, what, what was, what was that process like? When we first started, I had my really good friend, John O'Connor, right? So I had my, I had John O'Connor. Um, he was like the first friend I made when I started my new high school in Freehold. And then I had Kayla, my wife, and then I pulled my buddy, chef John. We worked together at a restaurant and, um, he was, he was really talented and uh he ended up getting into it with one of the guys so he was out of a job i brought him in he liked what he saw he stuck around and the four of us worked really hard man for a long time and it was just us for a while and then um i brought in my now cfo joe who joe i used to work for joe that was the last job i had where i was fully self-employed and i pulled him in because He's like just one of the best operating managers I've ever seen. I had a lot of jobs that I got fired from before. Like, I'm pretty unemployable, you know, <laughs> I just, I'm just pretty bad. So 
I did I did do um so anyway, man, I I brought in Joe and then Joe helped me with a lot of the uh with a lot of the new hires, but I've um you know, we've been growing piece by piece. What, what job brought, was that? What what job was Joe uh I think Joe at? was the uh director of operations. I think he started I think he started that at that role. And then I promoted him to like chief operating officer and then CFO and but no, which but company yeah, so before then, that you that you, your last job? What, what what was that? Oh, he had a um he had like a bar and restaurant in Long Branch and Pier Village. He was a partner at, so he was one of the owners. And then um, he had some shit go on with his his partnership. So he became a free agent, started working in in the hotels in New York City. And um, but he always you know he stayed in freehold and commuted to the city. So Joe and I like stayed in touch and. You know, at one point, I just said, hey, man, like, what's it going to take? I always <laughs> the joke used to be, the joke used to be, what's the least amount of money I could pay you for you to come work for me full time? <laughs> and uh, I said that to my wife. I said that to John O'Connor. I said that to Chef John. And I said that to Joe. But I don't say that to people anymore. I don't I don't have to say that to people anymore. That's incredible. How many, how many <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it was the truth, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, that's sometimes how it is to attract a great team and – you know, you have to you build these alliances and get people who really believe in you and the mission, and and that's why how you get and keep and retain great people. Um, how many how many on the, how many on the team now? Well, I think it's like 150 with New Jersey and Atlanta. So, yeah, if you add up all the consultants and shit, everybody it's never fucking ends, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, let me uh, let's let's wrap it up. I just want to say that um, you know nobody deserves more success and happiness than you. Uh, you have built something that is just so incredible, and you did it your way. You know, like Sinatra said, like my yeah. way. And it's it's such a lesson to everybody out there that when they're trying to figure it out and they're trying to be everybody else and they're trying to do other things, like you have to go back to who you are. And sometimes you have to change who you are, like you said. You have to you have to realize that you have to grow and evolve and be the most honest and best version of yourself to build that foundation. And uh, it was such a pleasure and honor meeting you. I can't wait to to hang again. And uh, yes. and and I'm I'm so excited to to write about you in this book and, and include your story because um, it is exactly what I hope I we can both you and I inspire other people to do. Like, yes, you absolutely can do it. Don't worry about all those venture back VC private equity bullshit. Like, just start something that you're passionate about and that you believe in, and do it with all your heart. And then the money and the success is going to come. Yeah, and and just to add to the VC thing, like, bro, if you can't do it with a thousand bucks, what makes you think you can do it with a hundred million bucks? You know, like there is this very bizarre concept that people think money is this answer to things money is like people work really hard to get a shredded six-pack but if you took somebody who never worked out never dieted never never really took never really gave a shit about their fucking you know physique or their build and you woke them up one day with the best body shredded six-pack everything how long do you think they'd be able to maintain that physique, right? How long until they lost it all? It's the same thing with money. I used to think like, and not, I am not a high net worth person. I mean, I would be if somebody tried to buy my business, but like, um, 
people, you know, and this is not siding uh, with or against Donald Trump, but they say Donald Trump got a loan for $2 million. Now I will tell you this. You can give 2 million people, 2 million bucks. You will not get one guy who did what Donald did with that 2 million bucks. And, and it's a hard pill to swallow. You know, it's a hard pill to swallow that there's girls in the world who would kick my ass. It was a hard pill for me to swallow to admit that a, a plate of barbecue is a better meal than a couple slices of pizza. But man, people <laughs> are delusional about money. Like yeah. money is power. And if you don't know how to harness that power, dude, it is a fucking life ruining thing that will fucking destroy you from the inside. It's like crazy. People have all these opinions about tax the rich or this or that. But dude, if I got on TV and tried to talk about Maybe, uh, you know, if I got on TV and tried to talk about what it's like to be, um, you know, a woman or any, anything, right? They would fucking murder me. I would get scorched. They, I would be the fucking biggest bad guy in the world. But how many poor people or people with low income, they talk about what it's like to have money. Like they got 15 million in the bank or, and it's like, it's funny, right? Like there's these just delusions of, of what money is or, or how to use it or it, it is it is the hardest fucking thing you'll ever learn how to do is handle money and be disciplined with money. Financial discipline was one of the hardest things ever, man. It's so hard. It's disgusting how hard it is. It's like holding the push-up position, you know? I love <laughs> – yeah. I, I don't know, man. I don't come from money, dude. I don't come from money, so I had to learn a lot. But uh, – what, is there a universal uh, truth that you've learned? Like what, what, what is like one of the most important things off the top of your head that you've learned about it? Dude, fuck a Rolex, fuck a big house, save your fucking money, dude. Get yo, if I would have known now what I knew then, really man, what I what I what I would have really liked is to ha someday have my money make money, you know, have your money work for you. And and there's a lot of things like in life where, you know, I bought the nice watch and I got like nice things and I'm like, why the fuck do I even have this, dude? Like this was stupid, you know? The amount of fucking shit that Bitcoin and all that crypto did and Amazon and Tesla and all these companies that went on fire. You're like, damn, dude, like what? I didn't buy that. Like I bought this instead. And 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 it's like I don't regret it. I mean, I'm happy I have what I have. But, you know, when I'm talking to other entrepreneurs and they're like, oh, I want this Rolex. I'm like, dude, don't. Or. If you do really want the Rolex, if the Rolex is 10,000, tip yourself, right? I was a bartender, right? 20%, dude. Put two Gs, put two Gs on a company you like and leave it there. Every time you buy something expensive, take take whatever it was, take 20% of what it was and pop it on some company stock, you know? That, that's this is, financial this is, advice. This is a little game my wife and I like to play called Invest It. Whenever we're about to go and, and spend on something, we, we sometimes we look at each other and we're like, fuck it, let's just invest it. And we're like, just go buy some stock or invest in a company or do something else with the money. And so, you know, she was going to buy me an e-bike for Father's Day. And it was like 2,500 bucks. And I was like, I don't want an e-bike. I have no use for an e-bike. Invest yeah. it. So we just like took that 2,500 bucks and we threw it in, uh, in a company called Clean Cult, which I actually put on my Instagram yesterday. They just raised $25 million, Series A. So I was able to invest in this company is, is an angel investor and they're blowing up. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> it's like, and so, you know, I, I haven't gotten any, anything back, but 
you know, that e-bike would have been collecting dust and now it's got the chance to go sky high. So I, I love, I love that concept of yours of tip yourself. That's a, that's a really, really good one. Yeah. And dude, people have this misconception that you need millions of dollars to get started. Like, so Sal's brother, Joey told me to buy this altcoin, you know, hex bought it back in May. I threw 500 bucks on it. It's fucking 11 grand right now. So like, you don't need, dude, dude, that's a big win. And in a couple months, 500 bucks is 11 grand. Like 500 bucks is 11 grand. Like now just, you know, I hope, you know, I, I can't, the, the shit I said about money, it was not meant to offend anybody. It was meant to fucking get people to just look. You don't have all the fucking answers. If you don't have, if you don't have money in your life, man, maybe just take a second and learn from some people, right? Try to try to get an understanding and a knowledge, and try to be around people who do have money. Your network is your net worth, and the people you spend the most time with ultimately you you uh, turn into. So, just you know, try to learn. There, there's too many fucking know it alls in the world. There's too many broke people talking like they have it all figured out. They need to step back and just learn and and try yeah. to be better. And that's in all aspects of life, you know. I'm always trying to learn. I think uh, I'm always trying to learn. I'm always trying to listen. Uh, but yeah, it is. It is incredibly frustrating when. Uh, same thing with like jujitsu, right? People who don't know jujitsu would be like, "Yo, why doesn't he just get up?" Oh, okay, very, very good parallel. Get on the fucking ground and let me see you get up, right? Because you. <laughs> I'm a fucking one stripe white belt and you can't get up with me, let alone like a fucking bro. You got fucking Gordon <laughs> Ryan on top of you, bro. You're not ever getting up. I'll give you a knife. I'll give you a fucking knife. You're not getting up. So I, I just, just to, to put a little mustard on that hot dog, I went down to uh, Puerto Rico to go train with Gordon and John Donahar and those guys. And Nikki Rod walks into the room. And when you made me look like someone's little brother, he made me look like an infant. And uh, they said, hey, you go with him. And um, he, he got on top of me to mount, and I was to escape the position. He was putting less than half of 1% of energy. I've been doing jiu-jitsu for 12 years. I couldn't move. That's how much better he is than me. He is stratospheres better. So, like, when you see these guys on TV and you're like, why don't they just get up? It's, oh, because that guy is the best athlete that you've ever come across. It's, it is. It's crazy. It, it, there's just illusions. And, yeah. and it's hard. Like it, it is hard to even explain to people like, dude, you are so far, you are so wrong. Like, I don't even know how to start to begin to explain how wrong you are. And, and like, you know, jujitsu, it's easy to understand because you train, but for somebody who doesn't train, they don't get yeah. it. And then with the way the world is and the media and all these people talking about politics and economics. And it's like, dude, I don't know shit about politics, but I do know basic economics and the shit you're talking about right now is so far away from any, like, <laughs> so theoretically incorrect. Like, jeez, uh, it, it is uh, scary, man. We live in a fucking weird time. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't want to take this fucking thing down or go sideways here. It's supposed to be a positive <laughs> podcast. No, it's all good. Um, we've, we've, we've made a really good impact today. I'm very grateful for your time. Very grateful to get to know you and, uh, really looking forward to, to seeing you again soon. Um, I just wanted to share, share my screen very momentarily. So I could, everybody knows where to find you for the few people who yeah. aren't familiar with, um, with your brand, but eat clean bro is an amazing brand and 
God, what you've built is just incredible. Thank and you. Just to I take just... this back to yeah. be positive. Anybody here who trains jujitsu knows what I'm talking about. When you get onto that mat and you do what it takes to compete, you know what goes into it. All the shit I said about the news and the people and people talking about shit they don't understand, you know, that that's that's what I'm trying to say. Like yeah. there are people think, who have no idea. No I think idea, you did right? a good like, job. I think you did a, so, a very good job of working it through and explaining it. And I don't I didn't take any offense to it. And anybody who did, well, too too bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, toughen up, dude. Fuck, life's yeah. not gonna, life's not gonna get, uh, life's not gonna get any easier. I could tell you that. So, yeah. it only yeah. gets harder. But yeah. you got to adapt, right? You got to, you got to overcome. Yeah.